Today, and you have heard it frequently, during this day on Radio Veritas, uh, today is the feast of this great African saint born in Sudan, uh, Saint Bakita. Um, And uh, it's a day in which, therefore, uh, the world remembers her life and remembers a tragedy that continues and that destroys and blights so many human lives in the world today. That is the question of human trafficking. You know, it's a terrible reality. You know, it, 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 there, there are thousands of examples. Some, some, someone say up to 40,000 such people are trafficked through or passed through or within even this country uh, uh, in, in a particular year. And you can imagine, just imagine your own child um, go, doesn't come back from school or goes shopping in town or goes to a football game or goes away on a holiday and never comes back. And that child or young woman, commonly, uh, is promised or taken away or kidnapped in some form or other or is attracted to something that is offered to him or her and uh, is then made a slave, a sex slave or a labor slave uh, for the rest of their lives. They will never return again. They will never be traced again. Uh, They will be bought and sold like cattle. So you can imagine your own child locked up in some hellhole, being used in a situation like this, being exploited uh, until they become uh, so weakened and useless from this kind of exploitation and then they are left to die. They're left without communication. And so there's a huge responsibility on us in the church because nothing could be so totally antithetical or imposed to, uh, to, to God who is love and what Jesus came to do in the world. This is really Judas all over again. And so we must do all in our power to make our parishes and parents and people aware of the reality and the possibility of human trafficking. Parents must be aware of it and know where their children are and be in immediate contact with them. And when we know such things are happening, it's a serious responsibility to report to authorities so that such things are destroyed. Now, uh, St. Paquita, let us speak a little bit about Paquita first. Um, we, uh, Pope uh, Benedict, uh, you know, when he wrote his beautiful book, uh, That in Hope is Our Salvation, uh, uses the example at the beginning of his book uh, to, to show what a real encounter with God for the first time can totally change a person's life. And how Bakita is a wonderful example of that because she was born far from the Christian faith in Darfur, uh, in the uh, center of Sudan, um, and uh, went at nine years of age, went to fetch water one day and was taken as a slave. She is now a great saint of the church. Born in 1869, uh, she did not know the precise date. Uh, At the age of nine, she was kidnapped by slave traders, beaten till she bled. She was bleeding from the beating. She was sold five times in the slave markets of Sudan. Eventually, she found herself working as a slave for the mother and the wife of a general in the army. And there she was flogged and beaten every day until she lost blood. As a result of this, she carried 144 
uh, scars or wounds throughout her whole life. Uh, finally, in 1882, she was bought by an Italian merchant and returned to Italy. Um, now, after the terrifying so-called slave masters who had owned her up to that point, uh, Bakita in Italy came to know a totally different kind of master, uh, which in the dialect of Italy, where she learned Italian, she called Paron. And this was the living God, the God of Jesus Christ, a God who is so different as our master uh, to these masters of this world. Up to that time, she had known only masters who despised and maltreated her, or at best considered her a useful slave. Now, however, she heard that there is a paran, a master above all masters, the Lord of Lords, and that this Lord is good, goodness in person. She came to know that this Lord even knew her, that he had created her, that he actually loved her. Uh, she too was loved and by none other than the supreme master, Paron, before whom all other masters are themselves no more than lowly servants. She was known and loved and she was awaited. What is more, this master had himself accepted the destiny of being flogged like her and now he was waiting for her at the father's right hand. Now she had hope. No longer simply the modest hope of finding masters who would be less cruel, but the great hope. She said, I am definitely loved, and whatever happens to me, I am awaited by this love which is God, and so my life is good. Through the knowledge of this hope, she was redeemed, no longer a slave, but a free child of God. She understood what Paul, St. Paul, meant when he reminded the Ephesians that previously they were without hope and without God in the world, without hope because without God. Hence, when she was about to be taken back to Sudan, Bakita refused. She did not wish to be separated again from her master, the Lord. On the 9th of January 1990, she was baptized and confirmed and received her first Holy Communion from the hands of Pope St. Pius X. On the 8th of December 1896 in Verona, in Italy, she took her vows as a religious in the congregation of the Canossian Sisters. And from that time onwards, beside her work in the sacristy and in hospitality at the convent, she made several journeys all over the country of Italy in order to promote the missions, that is, the liberation that she had received through her encounter with that God of Jesus Christ, she felt she had to extend. It had to be handed on to others, to the greatest possible number of people. The hope born in her, which had redeemed her, she could not keep to herself. This hope had to reach many, to, uh, had to reach everybody. So that is basically, as you've heard today already, I suppose, St. Bakita's life story. She was a slave sold five times, beaten continually every day, until eventually she uh, was taken away from her home country and there discovered Christ and became and is now a great saint of the church. 
Uh, now, uh, today, this trafficking, as I say, this uh, selling of people in slavery continues all over the world. It's a huge business, bringing in billions of rand uh, for slave masters who are living off the blood and sweat of poor and helpless people. Today, there are open markets in Libya selling people. Uh, and so uh, it's a great uh, responsibility for our parishes, our priests, our people, uh, our parish councils to make people aware of this. Um, now, uh, she's not the only example I can put before you of a person who has worked to destroy uh, this terrible human trafficking. Uh, there is a lady um, she was uh, in the United States, an African woman again, uh, born in Maryland uh, in the United States of America in 1820, Harriet Tubman. She was born a slave um, and uh, she grew up a slave um, and, of course, uh, picked up the characteristics of uh, slave life, working slowly, offering passive resistance, um, pretending to a simple-minded contentment to our so-called masters. Um, the slave owners, of course, in the southern United States, and their descendants are often still there, uh, uh, preached a Christianity of, uh, to the slaves. Uh, they preached Christ all right and brought Jesus to the slaves, but it was a Christ of submission, a Christ of obedience, a Christ of acceptance. Harriet uh, Tubman uh, knew the scriptures very well, especially she was deeply impressed by the book of Exodus, that second book of the Bible. You remember where God found his people, slaves in Egypt, and led them through Moses, through the sea and desert and mountains, uh, and to liberation. So uh, she understood that God is not uh, the God of the slave owners. He is not the God of the oppressors. God, our God, the true God, is the God of the oppressed, of the slaves. And and so one night, you know, she was about 20, 22 years of age, she had a dream, and she saw a line, just a line, and over that line there was a beautiful land, a land of freedom, a land of fruit trees, a land of fertile fields and mountains, a land of uh, homes and families and villages and towns where people and everybody was free. And she saw it as an invitation from the Lord to seek to escape from the, the south of the United States where slavery was the law of the land, uh, to escape to the northern states in the United States where there was freedom and slavery was outlawed. Slavery was not practiced. And so uh, uh, she preferred as a young girl not to work in the kitchen, which was sort of, she saw as soft work, but she wanted to work out in the fields so that she become strong and hardy. She was a very small person, but a very strong character. And so uh, she began her escape. 
She escaped one evening, slipped away from the slave farm, following the direction of the North Star, going through swamps and forests for hundreds of miles, sleeping by day in caves and in the woods to escape uh, notice. And finally she came uh, across that line between the north, uh, between the south and the north into the land of the free and into Pennsylvania. And she remembers the first day she escaped into freedom. She said, I looked at my hands to see if I was still the same person. Am I still a slave? And she says, no, now I am free. And Harriet Tubman did not forget the slaves, her parents and relatives and friends and the poor African people in the South, black people in the South of the United States. She returned over the next 12 years. She made a long journey from the North to the South of the United States uh, uh, to what she called Pharaoh's land. She called the South the land of slavery, the land of Pharaoh. And so uh, she, 19 times in those 12 years, she made that journey south, picked up a group of 20 or 30 slaves, and with them made that journey, uh, traveling what she called the Underground Railway, uh, because now she had built up contacts along the way. There were many hidden help, uh, helpers. There was a price put on her hand uh, by the police who wanted to catch her. Uh, all over the place, uh, governments were looking for her. But in all those 19 journeys she made, she never lost a person uh, and each group contained about 30 people, often containing many children as well. Among uh, the, the slave owners, she was regarded as a hated, a hated figure. But the uh, people she liberated and the people, uh, her own people called her Moses. During the American Civil War, you know, when the northern states and the southern states fought each other, uh, mainly over the question of slavery. Uh, slavery. Abraham Lincoln, the great president of the United States, had uh, demanded that slavery be abolished. And so war broke out, a very vicious war where hundreds of thousands were killed. But Harriet Tubman, during those years, she acted often as a spy and as a nurse for the Northern Army to liberate. This. She ended up in, the, in, in New York. Um, she became, was a very poor woman, small little woman. Um, yet, even though she had so little herself, she offered a shelter for freed slaves. She sold vegetables and other simple items on the street in order to, 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 to support them. She died in 1913. That's Harriet Tubman, another great lady, with Saint Bakita. These great women uh, inspire us to fight with all our strength against human trafficking, against the abuse of women and children in all its forms. And on this day, the whole world, Catholic world, is praying and fighting and re renewing itself in the commitment to destroy human trafficking because nothing could be more directly opposed to the will of God. Let us listen now to Bandlam Tuse, Itemba Lama Catholica. 